This episode is brought to you by Feels CBD. Feels is a better way to feel better. For 50% off your first offer plus free shipping, go to feels.com slash no meat. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash no meat. This episode is also brought to you by our brand new Complement Daily Greens with five science-backed greens for powerful benefits. Go to nomeatathlete.com slash daily-greens to learn more and save 15% when you subscribe today. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Meat Athlete Radio. Matt, Matt, are you into poetry at all? You're a big reader. Are you, are you a, a poetry reader? No. I, I have never even gotten close to getting into poetry. <laughs> I, I mean, since I was a kid. I, but, like, as an adult, I just have negative interest in reading poetry. Hmm. Not, and nothing against it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just cannot imagine myself reading it. Yeah. What, what Are you into that? No, I'm not at all. I've never, uh, you know, outside of, like, school where you're required to read it, I've never really uh, spent any time... Mm-hmm. reading poetry books or anything like that. But um, I happened to find myself at a, uh, and this was not intentional, I went to a place to meet uh, some family uh, for a drink and just happened to be like poetry night. <laughs> um, yeah. And there were all these people there. And uh, and we ended up, because we had the kids there, we didn't stay very long, but um, people were getting up and reading their, their poems. And honestly, it was like, it was just really cool i don't know there was you know you know they don't, they don't have to rhyme you know it's like all this right. like stuff like as kids you know you think about poems is following a certain structure and maybe they were following a structure and i just didn't know it um but uh i just i, I really enjoyed like people kind of coming up and like laying the hearts out about uh about anything and everything and <laughs> i was like man maybe i could get into poetry it's, you know I've, I, I feel like it's one of those things kind of like uh like stand-up comedy or something where you're just so out of your comfort zone and you go up there and you kind of make an ass of yourself and um and uh but like people just respect it they respect that you're up there and whether it's good or bad like you know people people are just happy you're up there yeah i think i, I get that for sure i actually never thought about that because uh, i definitely i mean only in the past maybe 10 years since i kind of got into like creator stuff and i, I wouldn't say art but like just the idea of doing something scary and putting yourself out there. Like somehow in that process, I've come across lots of books where they'll mention stand-up comedy as an example of something that, you know, you kind of work at and eventually you, like you learn, it's just this whole thing, right? It's not just how good you are at telling jokes at all. Right, it's right. this whole skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of gained this respect for that. And certainly I, I would be terrified to go try to do stand-up comedy, but I guess, I guess that's how you, you learn. You, you face it and then go. So I've never really thought of poetry in that way. I've never thought about that as being kind of the same thing. Um, maybe because it seems to me way more terrifying to <laughs> be up there and trying to make people laugh and then you get no laughs mm-hmm. uh, or heckled, because that actually happens. And right, I, don't, I don't know of poetry nights that go bad like that. Uh, where people start doing there that. was there was a rule at the beginning where you had to be respectful so, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah i think i think you're probably right about that <laughs> yeah so so without that part i guess it loses some of the fascination for me um mm-hmm. the other thing is with the comedy like if i if there's a good comedian i actually take a lot of enjoyment from the result of that work and like I just said, with the poetry, like I'm just, again, not, I'm just not sophisticated with poetry. I don't know enough to take any enjoyment from it. But, you know, maybe I've never heard good poetry like you have, or, or any poetry, really, uh, well, like you I, I'm have. not saying that it was great poetry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although I did take enjoyment. I mean, you know, some of them were funny, and some of them were 
you know, uh, you know, made you think or, or a little mm-hmm. uncomfortable or something like that, you know, but it wasn't like this, like everyone wasn't like sitting around snapping and that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, I, feel, I think poetry is, um, it might, it might just be that I'm growing up and I take a little bit more notice now. It seems to me that there are more books that are kind of like written in, in non, non prose format mm-hmm. that are like, mm-hmm. you know, having mainstream success. Uh, I don't really know of a lot of examples. Maybe that boy, the mole, the fox, and the whatever. Uh, you know that one? No. It's been on like it was number one on the New York Times bestseller list for a long time. Mm. Uh, it was actually our same publisher. That's how I kind of started to hear about it. But anyway, I think it was a. It at least had had pictures and things in it. It was not just like a reading book. But anyway, um, yeah, I just think I think that's like every other niche in the world is like finding its audience now, probably thanks to the internet. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. Um, let's see what any other, any other this and that's before we get into our main topic. I have, uh, um, my dad just texted me. I have a, a new bear story. Oh, a new bear story. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not very good. It's just a, if, if we had no other intro, I would talk about this, but poetry. Um, so oh, this is actually a, this is a relevant tip. Have you ever heard of Calabrian peppers? No. Okay. It's no it's no great secret. It's a it's just like if you go to a, a lot of Italian restaurants, they will talk about their you know, and they write the descriptions of their dishes. A lot of the dishes that are spicy, uh, will say with Calabrian peppers as like mm. just one of the descriptors. And I always just assumed they would be like every other kind of chili peppers. Like I think they're most commonly had in a dried flake form so they're like you know red hot or not um yeah yeah okay. red, pe- red pepper flakes uh-huh. um so my dad actually got some from this italian neighbor of his that he used to have up in maryland and uh he has them in his house and i was there for christmas time and we were, i was putting them on my food and they were just the they were the best peppers i've ever had like i i am a spicy food person not like a fanatic i don't i don't get like i don't go over the top with the heat or anything like that mm-hmm. um but I just really like them. And so I'll put crushed red pepper on almost anything that I eat where it could possibly belong. Uh, mm-hmm. But Calabrian peppers have like just such a better depth of flavor and warmth to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that So I ended up buying a, a big bag from Amazon. Uh, and yet you have to get them from Calabria. They have to actually be Calabrian peppers, not just not just in the style of, of course, that. Of yeah. In traditional Italy, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't expensive. I mean, not, not that much more expensive than buying a regular thing of crushed red pepper. Uh but it's so good. So like I would I would absolutely highly recommend that. If you're into crushed red pepper at all, just order Calabrian red peppers and then and then grind it up. Anyway, my dad the, the reason he had them was because this neighbor had given him a plant uh, from his house and he had actually brought it down to Asheville where he lives now and and you know taken taken all the peppers off the plant basically and dried them and had them. Well, now he got a whole plant that he actually, or seeds, and I actually don't know if they're seeds or, or if they, I think he gave them like little starts or something. Uh, is that what they're called? Starts, Doug, in the gardening world? Yeah, like a, yeah. a small, yeah. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he had he planted like eight of these things. And then we, I was thinking, this is going to be incredible. Uh, we're going to have all these fresh Calabrian peppers. <laughs> well, anyway, last night the bears came and, and overturned all of them and just destroyed them. Ate, all, ate what was there of all the plants. Uh, so anyway, the bears continue to negatively impact my life, even though I'm <laughs> even, even two, though not, yeah. <laughs> two hours away from any bears. But uh, they continue to just torment me. <laughs> it, uh, if you listened good. at all in the past two years, or maybe, maybe it was two summers ago, uh, we had a lot of episodes where I was starting off with bear stories. <laughs> Just some sort of frustrated <laughs> bear story. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> I, you know what I did last night? Um, I went to uh, a, a... So there is... This is kind of Asheville, but it was here in Black Mountain. Uh, there's um, a group of Peruvian immigrants who have been here for less than a year, and they've started a vegan um, Peruvian pop-up, so they're going around to different like restaurant takeover type things. And, uh-huh. um, and it was a five-course uh, Peruvian dinner, traditional Peruvian dinner, only vegan. And it was delicious. It was wow. fantastic. I'm sure it was. Yeah, that talking, and it had some good spice, good flavor, lots of uh, lots of flavors I'm not familiar with. So, it's hmm. great. I think is there a Peruvian food truck in Asheville? There is, yeah, but this What's is not called? them. Mm-hmm. Okay, something box or something like that. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe not. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember. I remember coming across Peruvian food in Asheville and being really interested. And there was one vegan thing, and I got it and liked it, but there was not a lot of options. So, fully vegan, any kind of fully vegan food that's from a different country that is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, just, yeah. Yeah. it's just a jackpot if you can find a place like that. Mm-hmm. Good. Very nice. All right, Doug. Well, we are going to shift into uh, things that relate to the content, to the topic of our podcast. So, uh, yeah. What are we talking about today? We are talking about an idea that you came up with. Uh, so I'm surprised that you don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it's the things that we no longer do as vegan athletes, plant-based athletes, whatever you want to call it. Um, we've both been at this for many years now. For me, it's been 13 years since I went vegetarian first, and then I went vegan two years after that. Uh, I think for you, very similar amount of time being vegetarian maybe, or at least maybe only eating barbecue as your one meat. <laughs> that then that only eat. lasted, that was less than a year, I'd say. But. Okay. I think, so I don't know, this is a good question. I'm maybe around 10 years vegetarian, and... Uh... I think five years, no, eight years. Oh, geez, when did I move to North Carolina? Eight years. That sound right? Uh, no, that sounds too. That sounds, that sounds too long. No, that sounds no. Actually, that that sounds exactly right. Because for me, it's been ten years. So you okay. were just after me. I just well, so yeah, eight years. Yeah, eight years vegan. Yeah, basically. You should know these. These are people celebrate their their I know vegiversary or whatever, don't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. Not you though. Not not well, the Hay family. <laughs> I should. Do you know yours? Do you know your date? I do only because I've looked it up on the blog before I have, like when mm. I said I was doing it. Okay. Uh, but I don't know it off the top of my head. I just know the month and the year. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we've both been at this for a long time. And that is actually becoming something that uh, I guess is a little bit of, of our... Uh, superpower is we've actually been at this for a while like Mm. at first it wasn't that way at all we were were pretty new to it and that was the fun of what we did uh nowadays there are a whole lot of super popular big instagram accounts and whatever else uh but a lot of those people are brand new at it so i think that is that is becoming something that we have a little bit more to offer in the area department of uh perspective just for having done this for so long um nothing like some people robert cheek i think has been in for 25 years but uh still there aren't many Robert Cheeks in the world. No. <laughs> um, Only one Robert Cheek. That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it's, it has changed a whole lot. And as we were trying to think of like the things, I mean, just to give this more details, like the things that we used to do as plant-based athletes and that we've kind of just don't do anymore. And then I even said, well, maybe we can talk more about just the way we've changed. Uh, and as I was trying to think about this topic so that we could have this conversation, um, I, I got a little bit confused and i just or sort of wondering whether these changes were 
natural evolution of someone who is eating this way? Mm. Or is it that the the whole movement has changed? Because I mean, mm-hmm. in, in 10 years' time, it has dramatically changed, uh, mainly with the availability of things and accessibility of, of vegan foods, uh, both during race kind of things and not. Yeah. Um, but then also just like the getting older and kind of getting wiser thing like that. Right. For me, I don't know. For me in the past five years, I've just noticed that happening a lot. Uh, and just in a lot of different areas. I feel like I'm, I'm like, wow, I, I would have done that differently when I was younger or thought about this differently when I was younger. But now I think about it this way. Uh, so I couldn't tell which was, you know, which, and I think it, perhaps it doesn't matter because, because these are all things that are always happening. Like it's, the movement's going to probably continue to evolve as it has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are always going to be getting older and wiser. So maybe it doesn't really matter. But, uh, you know, that's that's the, the backstory there. Yeah. And, you know, so we didn't uh, we didn't compare lists or anything. I don't know what your list is. Uh, and we just very, very briefly discussed this beforehand, uh, kind of like what if there were any themes. Um, and, you know, interestingly, I my process was very similar, uh, although kind of what stood out to me was that um, a lot of the things on my list were, were things I felt like I had to, like, go all in on and get kind of like really... Um, like really meticulous about, and then it's just been a process of kind of letting that letting that go and being more flexible and being, um, you know, much more uh, like natural about the whole thing instead of obsessing over certain things. And uh, and I think that that's partly growing up, and that's partly just like anytime you learn something new, you know, or you're kind of going all in on something, you you almost have to, or anytime you're making a big change, you kind of have to like be a little meticulous because you are learning how to do it. And then, uh, and then once you get the hang of it, you can kind of let it go a bit. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, for me, there was a whole lot of like initial excitement and mm-hmm. newness to all this. So, so that like provided me with a whole lot of energy and, and even time, uh, to put into like getting the mm. workout food exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get into like complex meal planning or trying to hit macronutrient ratios but certainly people do that um Mm -hmm. and so yeah so for me it's it's been a very similar thing i I guess i know it didn't occur to me of like that i would might have gone to extremes at the beginning although i certainly did as i experimented with different things uh the fruitarian thing comes to mind sure uh but generally it's been exactly the same kind of um (laughs) progression as you said it has been a movement a move towards more flexibility uh and honestly less stress about everything yeah Uh, yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. that's i think yeah and and partly again like that's different phases of life like i was so focused on the boston marathon goal and and even running you know hitting ultra marathon distances for the first time uh that you know the amount of effort and energy and stress i was putting into those things back then actually made sense for those whereas now if i'm if i'm you know kind of just trying to keep in shape run a race here and there it would be sort of out of balance if I was just putting all this time and energy into, mm. you know, nailing the pre-workout nutrition mm-hmm. when, I don't know, I'm trying to stay healthy and in shape so I can do other things. So, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, I wonder if our lists are going to be the exact same. They might. Well, let's, <laughs> so, let's get... Let's, so let's, yeah, let's talk about nutrition. It's not, you've brought that up twice. Uh, is that one one from your list? Yep. So, so the very first thing that came to mind that I no longer do is put as much effort into my workout food specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh the book that comes to mind for me is Brendan Brazier's Thrive Fitness, mm-hmm. uh, which he had Thrive, which is a very popular book, had lots of you know meals and smoothies and like totally at, at that time extreme kind of diet for me because it wasn't just vegan; it was like high performance vegan, high raw, gluten free if or almost gluten free if not entirely gluten free, 
um, you know, his, his approach was energy focused and it worked really great for him. And it was like a gold standard for me. So when his Thrive Fitness book came out, that one seemed to have a whole lot more practical smoothie recipes and pre-workout drink. It was, I mean, it was all about fitness, not just like all about life. And uh, I just made all, all these different kinds of drinks that, you know, some of them were good. It's not like they were gross. They were just a whole lot of effort to, to make. And then, and then even the drinking of them, like it was a new experience and it was just effortful. It wasn't like I'm going out for this run and I just am going to drink this half and half fruit juice and water with a pinch of salt in it like I sometimes do now. Uh, it was like I'm going to have this new thing for the first time that has lemon zest and coconut oil in it uh, and, you know, dates and all these other things that like would go into the ideal energy drink. Um, and so I would, I would put who knows how many hours, but like around every long run, there were several hours of thinking about the food, making it, sure. all this stuff, having the post-workout stuff ready, all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, I'd say that's really been a fairly gradual process by which that has just become stick with what's, what's comfortable. Uh, yeah. it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm eating processed food cause that's actually another one of my things here. Um, I'm still eating a lot of whole and fresh foods all the time, but it's just, I just don't think about it. I just think like, yes, there's probably an impact to going that extra mile and getting every last bit of the nutritional, uh, you know, potential of your food. Mm-hmm. But if you can get 90% of that or 95% of that, you know, for me, where I am with, with fitness and workouts and race goals and things now, uh, 90% is fine if it saves me an hour every day. Right. Yeah. 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 hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, definitely agree. Uh, I, yeah, I have a similar, mine was, was mostly around like in workout or during workout, during long run, during race nutrition. I usually spend so much time, uh, roasting sweet potatoes and covering them in salt, you know, mm-hmm. like little sweet potato chips. I used to make my own gels. I used to make my own energy drinks, like a little chia energy drink and, and, um, and, uh, you know, just purees and all the stuff. I would carry so much food on me because I thought, you know, I just had to have these specific foods that I read about somewhere or, or heard you talk about or, or saw some other vegan athlete using and, and just kind of thinking that, I, like, that's the, what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was so much effort and I would carry so much stuff. And, uh, and you know, now I've, I've come to realize, and part of that is, like, there are way more actual products you can buy that are vegan and more in line with my philosophy of, of whole foods and, and fueling. Um, so, you know, that, that is, that is part of it is there's just more available to me, but also, you know, I've just kind of like let go of a lot of that, like, um, that you have to have this exact amount of sodium or this exact amount of, you know, carbs and, and instead just kind of been, I'm I'm more at ease of, of, in kind of trusting that I will be able to, you know, get what I need and, and continue to power through my workout or my run or my race and, and be okay. And and then the, you know, on race day, I'm also just a lot more trusting there's going to be things for me to eat at aid stations and, and Mm -hmm. after the race and stuff like that. And, you know, it might not be exactly what I wanted. Um, but you know, I, I kind of have let go of the, or I've kind of come to terms with the fact that it's better to not stress about it for me to not stress about it and carry all this stuff and get something that's maybe not exactly what I want over, um, over, you know, really worrying about it and, uh, and having exactly what I want. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's a pretty big thing that, uh, I mean, definitely like transcends the little, like the, this small topic of being vegan and how, how do you change as a vegan athlete? But like, as you get 
more comfortable and I guess more expert in your sport or your hobby or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like you start to learn, like there are, there are guidelines that you should follow at the beginning because they're kind of the best practices. And if you don't know anything, you know, you, that's your best thing you can do. Right. Uh, but sure. once you've run a bunch of races and, and, you know, many, many four and six month training cycles, like you start to know more about your body than, than any, any scientific study saying that this is the on average perfect amount of you know carbohydrate to protein per individual like you know you you start to learn what actually works and i think you get you can do much better than just following the guidelines by doing what works for you and then especially when you start to bring in other stuff like balancing that with how much stress it causes you uh you know then you really can kind of throw the guidelines out the window uh once you once you know yourself that well Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you shouldn't ever revisit those things and try them again because i do think it's easy to get into slumps and i think a lot of times like definitely a lot of this that i'm talking about partly motivated by uh laziness maybe not the word but just like just not not being able to sustain that kind of effort so it doesn't mean that like this is necessarily the very best choice it's just like it's where it naturally evolved so i guess i guess it would be good for me now and then to go back and try a really specific approach again and see what happens but well um, and 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 if if you were chasing you know a baltimore qualifier again you know like something really specific <laughs> the Baltimore qualifying process was pretty easy. You had to be willing to run through the through the back streets of Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that Baltimore marathon was my first one. <laughs> was it? Yeah. And that second half of that thing killed oh, me when I brutal, did. Brutal man, it was awful. Hill. I'm yeah. running around the uh, the little reservoir or something, the little pond yeah. at the yeah, top. Yeah, that like pond right at the top. Yeah, the loop, whatever that I, was. That was I liked. I fell apart so hard <laughs> yeah. up there and. Uh, <laughs> And just hated it. Like, oh, I just hated the next six miles because I think that was right at mile 20. Yep, um, that was. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's a tough race. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, if you're chasing something really specific and um, and you need that extra 10%, right, you, you know, that to, to potentially help you actually achieve your goal, then then, then it makes, like, total sense. And, and, you know, if you're an elite athlete or if you're something, uh, you know, then dialing everything, everything in, is important but for yeah. most of us and if you're just going out there to you know run a good race you know put your put a solid effort into it you know maybe hit some sort of goals but um the seconds don't matter then then chances are you know giving it that 90 percent effort or that 80 percent effort um when it comes to things like nutrition is probably you're not going to notice a difference right uh so you mentioned two things here that i had jotted down so i'll just touch on them quickly uh one is very close to this this whole idea this this sort of nutrition you know, what, what kind of value are you placing on different aspects of nutrition? Um, you said there are a lot more vegan products now than there were, which is definitely true. Uh, but one of the things that I had written down is that I think I eat way, way fewer, almost none in terms of, um, you know, packaged processed things that are made for sports nutrition. Mm. Uh, like, you know, I don't do the electrolyte powder anymore. I'll just have coconut water, uh, which is still a borderline like almost like a sports drink but it, on the other hand it's it's really just something that is almost not processed at all mm-hmm. um comes from nature and with you know gels i replace gels with with dates just good old medjool dates not the perfect workout fuel but for many situations uh they're just as good and of course they're whole food bring all the fiber and good things that that nature gives us so would much rather eat that um day in day out uh you know gummies and things. I don't know. I just, I would just rather eat half a banana if I can get that on the course in a lot of races. Now you can, um, get fruits and things like that, or you can, you know, do your own, uh, planning and make sure that you have access to those. So, uh, 
I don't know. In the first, like the first few years of being vegetarian, I was very worried about protein, of course. So I had some, even though I had a whey protein at the beginning that I was continuing to rely on uh, mm-hmm. when I was vegetarian, not vegan yet. Uh, and, you know, it took me like two years to kind of like give, realize that I didn't need that. And this, again, this kind of came down to that learning your body and being okay with going away from what might be the guidelines. Uh, in that case, you know, they weren't really guidelines. It was more this like programmed thing that you need tons of protein. Um, but so like, I got rid of that. And then, you know, I had all the different gels and things at the beginning. I was trying sort of natural versions of them, of which there are many more now. Uh, but in general, I just like, I just kind of developed an appreciation for actual good food. Uh, I don't know. Just I just realized like as I get busier and now and then have periods where I'm traveling a lot, uh, driving around with the kids a lot. It's like I just there's this like if there's opportunity to eat actual real food, like the more you can just do that, <laughs> the better. So uh, I've just come to kind of like really appreciate those foods and and around workouts is no different to me. Like they are just as good as the workout nutrition foods. Again, with that sort of like idea that I'm not trying to win a hundred mile race here. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to go out and have a good run. Like if I eat an apple or eat a banana or eat an orange or whatever, like that's, that's totally adequate for my around workout nutrition. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's really interesting because I've kind of my middle ground. So, you know, what I was talking about is spending all that time making my own gels and, and making, uh, you know, my own drinks and that kind of stuff. Um, my middle ground is now that I have, I've, I've kind of removed all the, like making my own stuff and replaced it with uh, a combination of, you know, just a straight up banana or apple or, you know, my standard smoothie, um, in combination with some packaged products, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call out plant bites, plant protein bites from complement our, our stuff, but also, you know, just, uh, you know, for many years I used spring energy or Huma energy and, you know, sometimes I still use um, uh, Tailwind for, you know, just a, a, a calorie-heavy electrolyte drink um, for, for runs just to kind of get more calories. So I've, I've, my middle ground is like, is, is, is the, the, the um, where whole foods meet convenience. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, you know, just like have some things in the car and in the house and, you know, that kind of stuff that's just real simple. Bananas, you know, not stressing over cooking anything. But then also kind of carrying some of the like really light, really easy, um, not that processed when it comes to a packaged food, um, uh, fuel, you know, training fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you're definitely doing, you know, more serious races than I am at this point. Uh, so it would make sense that you would kind of still be, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what the word is, more more advanced or at least more refined in your approach to how do you how do you fuel during a race? What do you carry? What, as far as practicality, like for me, like when I did that marathon, they did, uh, whenever it was March, maybe, mm-hmm. um, I just brought some plant bites and like, you know, that was, that was okay. And, and I guess that is sort of an example of like, that's that I don't always bring that on runs, but right. in, in a situation like that, it's better than, than, you know, trying to make sure I can get a banana here and there because yeah. it's just easier to carry. Um, yeah. So that, that makes total sense. Uh, okay. And so the other thing, Doug, that, that you mentioned moves just slightly away from the, you know, how much nutrition are you getting from what sources? Um, the stress around not getting what I need at races, like that is something I don't do anymore. Uh, it doesn't just, this doesn't just apply to, to races and sports events. This applies in general to everything. If I'm going to a party or a dinner or a restaurant, I, it used to be this, this like concern that I would go hungry basically. 
and just have nothing. Uh, and that that would be a disaster if that happened. First of all, it's really not a disaster. Like that's that's a really important thing that I think intermittent fasting has taught me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also, I guess this is still intermittent, but just like a little bit longer, like twenty four hour fasting, uh, or even longer term things. But but in that case, you're still eating some food. At least at least I have done that. Um, so like, I don't know. For just I understand like it's okay for you to be hungry for a little while. Our ancestors were always hungry all the time. There's lots of times they have a famine period. And our bodies are adapted to that. And, and it's probably better for us to have some periods where we don't have much food. Um, so, like, getting over that to me was a really big thing. But then but then, less, less philosophically, I guess, maybe, um, I've just gotten better at, at navigating. So if, like, if I'm at a restaurant and it's not a vegan restaurant, I can figure out something that's going to make me able to have a dinner uh, and not have to sit there while everyone else eats. Um and, and, you know, know how to talk to a waiter about it and not have to make a big scene about it. Like, I've just gotten better because I've done it so many times now uh, that I don't stress about that thing. So that's that's the regular life. But the specific thing you mentioned, like, what if they don't have anything for me at the race after uh, after it's over? Or even what if they don't have anything for me at the aid station tables? Uh, it's just, it's pretty easy now to, to get a sense of whether there's going to be stuff and have a kind of confidence range of how much you'll need to prepare. Uh, so I found that, like, you know that that stress level for me has has gone to almost zero, uh, where I, I know I can get by in any situation, and it's just not not a big deal anymore. Yep, yep, totally, totally agree. Good. All right. Um. So I I'm gonna shift us to kind of a different topic, but uh, first, why don't we pause for a second to thank our sponsor? This episode is brought to you by Feels. CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. You don't feel the stress, the anxiety, the pain. Feels is a premium CBD that will help keep your head clear and help you feel your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleepless, sleepness, sleeplessness. There you go. I got it. Uh, and, uh, and there's no hangover or addiction. Place a few drops of Feels underneath your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everyone's dose is different. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The Feels customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. And uh, we've we've talked a lot about how I use CBD, especially in the evenings. Uh, But one thing that uh, Feels has now that I'm I'm quite uh, attracted to is these little mints. They have just a little small dose of CBD in there, mm-hmm. and you can you know just pop them in the afternoon or something if you're feeling a little anxious. And uh, I don't know, I just it's it, I like it. I like it a lot. I know what you mean. The mints came in very handy for me. I was recently when we were moving into my new house, I was just just kind of a stressful period, and uh, I had actually mm-hmm. not used that much CBD before then. But the mints, uh, they were just kind of an easy thing to to do here and there, and they just tasted good. And it I don't know, just uh, I just I just liked how they how they tasted and how they made me feel, or not feel, or not feel. <laughs> feels monthly membership makes your self-care easy you'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time go to feels.com slash no meat and you'll get 50 percent off your first order with free shipping that's f-e-a-l-s.com slash no meat this episode is also brought to you by our very own daily greens when it comes to plant foods it's hard to beat a leafy green as we kind of talked about already doug the, the fruits vegetables especially the greens are the, the best you can do On a per-calorie basis, they're the most nutrient-rich foods you can find. 
but most of us aren't getting anywhere close to enough. That's where Compliment's brand new Daily Greens comes in. Daily Greens is the greens powder we always wanted for ourselves and our families. The one that lives up to the promise of diverse, real food greens convenient for at-home and on-the-go use. It's your anytime, anywhere, anything. Doug, what's your new catchphrase you came up with the other day? Uh, it, <laughs> your uh, anywhere, anything, or in, anywhere, in, anything, green. There we go. <laughs> which which, which you next? You, you said it didn't quite work, <laughs> but, but that's uh, what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, you can uh, you can take it anywhere because you can just throw it in a in a water bottle, which is what I have been doing some. And um, but or you can mix it into anything. We our team has just gone crazy with mixing it into things like coffee, into breads, baked goods, yep. uh, you know, oatmeal, like everything. Especially Julia has just turned everything green, and it's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's, it's awesome. perfect for St. Patrick's Day. You, yeah, we should do a big yeah, St. Exactly. Patrick's Day sale next year. Oh, we should. <laughs> the Daily Greens formula starts with the latest science on well-rounded, nutrient-rich greens and how much of each one you need to experience the benefits. By focusing on just these five greens, barley grass, spinach, chlorella, broccoli sprouts, and moringa, the organic formula zeroes in on the ingredients that have the biggest impact. And the best part is that most of those are probably greens you're not getting otherwise. So go to nomidathlete.com slash daily dash greens and learn more and save 15% when you subscribe today. That's nomidathlete.com slash daily dash greens. All right. So um, shifting away from food, and this, you know, I wouldn't quite say that this is uh, necessarily a vegan athlete thing, or at least I wouldn't say that at all. But um, you know, I think as I was getting into the vegetarian and vegan diet and kind of this world, you know, this alternative world of, of uh, as, a, as a vegan athlete um, that felt alternative at the time, much less so more mainstream now, but um, that was, uh, th- this was gaining in popularity at the same time. And, and a lot of the same people who were, you know, focused on vegans were also, or the vegan diet were also focusing on their shoes and minimalism. Um, and so one thing that has shifted for me was I went all in on the kind of minimalist shoe, uh, craze, I guess you'd say both with like zero drop, but also very little cushioning, very, you know, very minimal, um, midsole so that it was, it was just, you know, mostly me and, and, and a centimeter of, of traction and then the earth and, uh. And that worked for a little while, but it really, it, I mean, it took its toll on my feet and my ankles and all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, where, you know, and along the same theme of kind of going to one extreme and then uh, finding your middle ground, um, where I have landed now is, is still, you know, I have a minimal drop. I still like ultras, which are zero drop, but also some um, I'm running right now in topos, which are like three millimeter drop or something. Um, but but plenty of padding, you know, and plenty of traction and plenty of support that you'd get from a, a regular shoe just with a little bit less drop. So I think that there were some things that um, kind of came out of that experience for me that will last for a long time. Uh, but, you know, I landed on a more sustainable middle ground. Yeah, so that's uh, that's something I have recently been paying some attention to as well. Uh, I, like a lot of people, moved towards the maximal shoe thing at you know first going into the minimalist thing 2012 Mm -hmm. 13 era uh and then as i was i was doing my 100 miler and training for that i i got hokas for the first time and i just love them um it turned out that i didn't run for years after that that was kind of the end of my serious running (laughs) Uh, so i didn't really buy more shoes for a long time um but when i recently gotten back to it 
uh, I started out with a pair of hokas, and then I, I realized that I really didn't like how it felt. Uh, I'm not doing ultra marathon distance miles. This, I mean, I guess I did one thing that was more than a marathon, but it wasn't 50K. Um, but I started reading some stuff and just got more into general fitness and strength and movement. And that stuff convinced me that minimalist is what I need to be doing. Uh, more so the zero drop, the flatness, rather than I don't care so much about the cushioning. Uh, in fact, I like having some cushioning, but moving towards, uh, you know, back to the ultras, where's the, the foot shave or the large toe box and the zero drop. Uh, I just like, I just really like running in them. I don't know. I just feel, I just feel like they make me, I don't know. They, they just, for me, it's like a more fulfilling running experience, which I think is kind of what mm-hmm. the marketing said it would be. Um, and I just feel like it's, it, to me, it's kind of more in line with like, if I'm, if I'm training for general fitness not necessarily for running to me than, than running in this way that's going to help with movement and mobility in my in my opinion, or at least in the opinion of those who I kind of follow. Uh, I really like that. Again, not doing the kind of miles you're doing, and I think it would be different perhaps if I was. Uh, so that that could explain that difference. But uh, yeah, I actually, I actually really like the minimalist thing again. Well, good. So you went minimal, maximal, back to minimal. I like it. <laughs> that's right. Always um, on a pendulum swing. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay, another one I have, this is some shift from, from what you just had, um, is about the attitude towards talking about this this hmm. diet. Uh, specifically, I think, you know, my conversations in those early days uh, with other runners, like when I, I qualified for Boston six months or so after being vegetarian, and then I got into this whole new ultra running scene, and I met a bunch of new people as a result in the running club that I was with. And I just remember, like, when I would go talk to them about my diet and they they had seen my website and stuff so they knew about that and they would ask me about it um i definitely downplayed it all a lot more then uh i i was not someone who dove into this diet and like all they could do is talk about it now i started this website about it so all i was doing was <laughs> thinking about it and writing about it but yeah, like uh-huh. i was very very rarely even in those days trying to convince anyone that they should do it uh i just didn't want to do that so like when people who were like if people had found the website and they they were curious, then I was fine, you know, talking all about it because they were that's what they were there for. But I just couldn't feel comfortable doing that with people who I was like new to their ultra running club. Uh, so I would I would very much just sort of like make it seem like not a big deal. I would I would make fun of myself a lot more. I would even perhaps acknowledge that like you know who knows how this is going to end up or like uh, you know joke about how little protein I was getting or if they talk about you know the injury risk, I might I might just sort of laugh it off or what I don't know I, I just didn't do anything to defend it uh I basically just kind of I didn't want to cause confrontation so I just just downplayed it uh I still have that that kind of casual attitude for sure uh and I still appreciate the ability to you know just laugh it off rather than get into some confrontation about diet which is like the the last thing I'm interested in doing with somebody um but I definitely don't feel that need anymore it, it has grown so much um and, and, you know, it, it has worked for long enough. I've been at this thing, like I said, now for, for 10 years as a vegan and, and longer than that as veg or I guess 11 years vegan. Um, it's like I have enough, you know, confidence and even proof in some way that this is going to be fine. And I can, I, I can, I don't know, I, I don't get in arguments about it, but I don't feel like I need to, like, from the beginning, just sort of um, be preventing any confrontation and making sure that I'm, that I'm downplaying it. I don't know. It's just, it's just different. There's a different appreciation. You can, you can go to a race and tell someone you eat plant-based now. And it's, it's not that different from someone saying they eat keto or paleo or whatever. It's just, it's just one of the options now. 
and might might definitely bring with it some questions, I guess, because typically someone who's following a plant-based diet, um, I think typically they're, they're going to do it 100%, at least for a little while. Whereas that's not always the case with like a mainstream, like a diet that's that has no ideology associated with it. And mm-hmm. it's more just a health thing. Like then those people, they don't mind taking a day off. Whereas someone who's actually vegan, you know, for ethical reasons, they're not going to take a day off. And so I think that's of interest and still makes it sort of a, a different thing when you talk about it. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just so common now that it's it's not a weird thing anymore. Uh, so it's, it's very easy to, to just kind of blend in, basically, eating this way. Yeah. Yeah, so it's funny. My attitude attitude is uh, is on my list as well, and I think it's the exact same uh, exact same thing of like, you know, I don't know if I was self conscious about it, you know, which is weird to say because we had this podcast and you know, uh, all those things too. But just uh, you know, just didn't didn't feel like I was confident enough in the results to be able to like sing the praises as an athlete, mm-hmm. um. And now I am, and now it doesn't feel weird, and I know like what it's done for me and what it does for me, and and uh, you know I'm still not going around like trying to convince everybody to go vegan, but I just uh, I don't have any hesitation to um, like you know be excited about it. The other thing along the same lines, kind of, was um, I used to obsess over other vegan athletes, you know, and. Uh, and mm. what they were doing and uh, and kind of hold them, you know, just like always, you know, want to follow every single vegan athlete and and, uh, and kind of, I don't know, because because it was rare, I think, and because, you know, you, I was just always rooting for them over anyone else kind of thing. Um, and now, now there's just a little bit less of that, maybe because there are so many, and so it's just not as, like, novel, you know, because mm-hmm. there are so many people that are that are vegan and, and I still like have a place in my heart for uh, you know vegan athletes and, and that kind of thing um, and I'm, I always want them to succeed because uh, it just doesn't do anything but help the help grow the movement um, but but I, I, I obsess over them a little bit less than I used to yeah that makes sense same thing for me I remember Scott Jurek's book came out and it was like just could not wait to devour that and get the recipes and literally mm-hmm. devour those uh, it was just it was just amazing to have any kind of information about what a top level plant based athlete did, mm-hmm. uh, and now it's now it's in a lot of places. So it's very different, which is great. That's kind of what we what we wanted. <laughs> so, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, you got any more, Doug? My, I mean, that's that's kind of it. All I had at the end was that what just in general uh, became way way more flexible with with each of these things. You can you can argue that it's becoming more flexible about how. It went um, a lessening of stress just from comfort in doing it um, and also in, in sort of learning how my body responds to nutrition and workout stuff. And, you know, like I said earlier, like you kind of start to value what you know works for you uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to stress and effort and also the results that you get from, you know, from the actual nutrition or the workouts. Um, the, eventually that becomes more valuable than, than following the guidelines. So I think, you know, eventually you can, you can relax a lot. As you uh, as you get better, just just like anything, really, it's not not unique to this diet by any means. No. Do you think Do you think that someone knew? So I don't have anything else, but uh, I I do have a kind of a wrap up question. I think. Do you think mm. someone new to the diet and new as a plant based athlete who maybe is listening to this? Uh, do you think that they are going down the same path that we did, or because there are so many people who have done it now and it is kind of you know proven to to be successful for a lot of people, and um, and because there are so many more resources and and 
and things out there that you don't have to obsess over the Brendan Brazier book to, to get everything, you know, and you don't have to obsess over, um, you know, making all your own pre-workout foods because there are other things there for you to, for you to try it. I mean, do you think that people still go through that process? Uh, yeah, I bet they, I bet most of they do. I mean, first of all, like most people who are eating this way were raised eating a different way mm. and it's still just a, you know, and like just the amount it was drilled into our heads that you couldn't eat this way and be healthy. Uh, not intentionally, but just, it's just how culture was. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I think, I think when you make a shift, you know, there's this sort of, uh, there's an amount of fear that comes with it that it, you can do it wrong. And I think that adds this heightened like uh, need to, to just kind of make sure you're doing it right. Um, so that's, that's part of it. The other part though, is I think like, I don't know when I was, when I was doing that Brendan Brazier stuff, it's not like that was fear driven. It's not like I did that because I was so mm. scared of messing up. I was like, that was all I wanted to do. I was so excited about it. Yeah. Um, so even though there are many more examples now and lots of people you could choose to follow, I think the same thing is happening. It's just, it's just there are a lot more choices. So probably someone still finds their version of Brendan Brazier and gets obsessed with their content and they do everything that person does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that same thing probably happens because I, I don't think that's that specific to, you know, the, the time period or, or. Yeah. No, that's a good point. The movement. Yeah. All right. Well, All we right. did it, Doug. We did it in under an hour. Always good. Go. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Everybody you. gets their 15 minutes back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All uh, right. Good. Nothing yeah. else to talk about. No metaverse or anything like that today to wrap up with. I don't think so. No. We need metaverse minute at the end of every episode. Oh, we should. We check in from... Check in from the, the other side, <laughs> which is actually, that's a metaverse uh, joke, Doug. The other side is uh, the Board Ape Yacht Club. Oh, you know oh yeah, okay. Their uh-huh. metaverse is the other side. I didn't, was just, I just zipped that off the top of my head just like that. Wow, that's that's some true metaverse. Uh, Maybe, uh, it is. is Maybe I should true... get into this stand-up comedy bit. <laughs> like Web3 could be your, uh, <laughs> your like, my topic. Yeah, it's for. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you could write a poem about it. I could. Yeah, just throwing that out there, too. I might. I would know how to begin to write a poem. I mean, I, I like if I wrote a poem, it would rhyme, and it would have it would have a nice little rhythm to it. It'd be a Shel Silverstein poem, only way worse. So I don't. I wouldn't know where to start with that. Or a haiku. I got really into haikus a while ago, but it was mostly for fun. I or, remember that. I remember yeah, that face. Yeah. I even wrote some haiku compliment emails uh, that that I think yeah. no one liked but me, but I loved it. Well, you know what? I actually. <laughs> I'm glad we, glad we get to come back to poetry here, uh, <laughs> but I I appreciate that. Like, like I I like the idea of and again this comes back to that little just tiny amount of studying of of art if you can call it that that I've done this idea that uh, I wrote a blog post about this that if you that when you constrain yourself to mm. you know a certain medium or certain tools or whatever you actually can produce often much better work or art or whatever you want to call it than you could if you just had complete free roam so if you have a huge blank white canvas or you can do any medium in the world that's that can be intimidating and you don't know where to start but if you say like this guy who i learned about this from or one of the guys I learned this from um if you if your art is you use a ballpoint pen on the back of a business card which do people still use business cards i don't know but they used to have only one side printed and the other side would be would be blank and, you, mm-hmm. and his art was just that um and some other guy took newspaper articles and he blacked out certain words and just left behind some sort of meaningful like you know, basically poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, so yeah, when you, when you can find yourself to just this limited thing, suddenly the art, it gets interesting. And so I think that's 
haiku is kind of cool in that way. I, I don't have any real appreciation for that, but that's cool. Um, I guess when you when you talk about people getting up there on on the microphone and doing their poetry, I imagine people just sort of like they have no guidelines. They're just free form. They just they just do the thing and they get all emotional. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why that doesn't appeal to me at all. But uh, perhaps perhaps I should be more open minded. I think you should. You should. Uh, uh, let's see. Once a month, come to the Dark City. What was it called? Dark City Poetry Society. <laughs> me and, and we'll, uh, we'll definitely do some poems. I definitely will do that. <laughs> uh, no. you, man, you got to come back. You got to come back to the mountains. Black Mountain's got a chess club now. We got a poetry society. I could get into a chess club. That, that I'm into. I know, I know you are. <laughs> no, no disrespect to the poetry. I know we're making light of this, but uh, I think it's cool. I just don't. I just personally have never really got into it. So all I can do is, is poke fun. Oh, it's awesome. It's it's very cool. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna next month. Good. Gonna, I hope you do. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, record it for us. <laughs> we'll see about that. Okay. Maybe oversight. Maybe maybe after the uh, metaverse minute, we can have a little poetry. <laughs> Great. That, that's what we need. <laughs> what if our show just becomes all like little just these stupid things? You know, Downward down and dog. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's wrap it up then. Yep. (laughs) With that, you lost your 15 minutes. We'll see you by next week. All right.